Good morning, family. Would you stand with us? Lift up our hands this morning. Let's say, Jesus. Can you repeat after me? Jesus. I come boldly into your presence this morning. And I ask for a fresh outpouring in this place today. Jesus, I come boldly into your presence this morning. And I ask for a fresh outpouring in this place today. Say that one more time. Jesus, we come boldly into your presence this morning. And we ask you for a fresh outpouring in this place today. Sin of the world. 
are open, all desires down, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you, and worthily magnify your holy name, through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, the first commandment is this, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. As we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what I have done, and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen. True repentance, amendment of life, and the grace and consolation of His Holy Spirit. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. Glory to God in the highest. Peace to His people on earth. Glory to God in the highest.
sing that bridge again. When I lift. When I lift my voice and shout, every wall comes crashing down. I have the authority. Jesus has given me. Almighty, nothing at 
This morning's first reading comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 66, verse 18. For I know their works and their thoughts. It shall be that I will gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and see my glory. I will set a sign among them, and those among them who escape I will send to the nations, to Tarshish and Pool and Lud, who draw the bow, and to Baal and Javan, to the coastlands afar off who have not heard my my fame, nor seen my glory. And they shall declare my glory among the Gentiles. Then they shall bring all your brethren for an offering to the Lord out of all nations, on horses and in chariots and in litters, on mules and on camels, to my holy mountain, Jerusalem, says the Lord. As the children of Israel bring an offering in a clean vessel into the house of the Lord, and I will also take some of them for priests and Levites, says the Lord. The word of the Lord. This morning's psalm is Psalm 46. Uh, We will read Psalm 46 by the half verse. God is our refuge and strength. Therefore, we will not fear. Though its waters roar and be troubled, There is a river whose stream shall make glad the city of God. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. The Lord of hosts is with us. Come, behold the works of the Lord. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. Be still and know that I am God. The Lord of hosts is with us. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, it is now, and will be forever. Amen. This morning's New Testament reading is from the book of Hebrews, beginning at chapter 10, verse 5. Therefore, when he came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin you had no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Previously saying, Sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you did not desire, nor had pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He takes away the first that he may establish the second. By that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. The word of the Lord.
13, beginning in verse 22. And he went through the cities and villages, teaching and journeying toward Jerusalem. Then one said to him, Lord, are there few who are saved? And he said to them, strive to enter through the narrow gate. For many, I say to you, will seek to enter and will not be able. When once the master of the house has risen up and shut the door, And you begin to stand outside and knock at the door saying, Lord, Lord, open for us. And he will answer and say to you, I do not know you where you are from. Then you will begin to say, we ate and drank in your presence and you taught in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you where you are from. Depart from me, all you workers of iniquity. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and yourselves thrust out. They will come from the east and the west, from the north and the south, and sit down in the kingdom of God. And indeed, there are last who will be first, and there are first who will be last. The gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, Lord Christ. I could hold on, I could hold on to who I am and never let you change me from the inside. I could be safe, I could be safe here in your arms and never leave home, never let these walls down. But you Lord, we just lift up today to you. We lift up our praises. We lift up our lives. We trust you, God. 
in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of the difficulty, in the midst of the brokenness. We declare today by coming here that we trust you. So, Lord, guide the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart. May they be always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. You may be seated. So today, I wanted to start off on a little journey with you all into a place completely different from where we're at in the lectionary. I've been praying about this for quite some time, and uh, I have this series in mind. And I think it came from a couple of sources. One of them was this amazing sermon that we got from Father Jim a while back, where he pointed out that Moses striking the rock and bringing forth the waters of life is actually a symbol of what we're called to do for the world. It's important to remember that, to keep that in mind. We get all these teachings and these sermons, and sometimes they can resonate so strongly, but then we get into the world and we do our thing, and a few months later we've forgotten the lessons that we learned. But that just started to stir something in me, and the whole Exodus story has always been taught as a microcosm or an example, a, a certain historical example of what our life is called to be. There's actually four ways of reading the book of Exodus if, that are traditionally talked about, right? You can read it as the history of the people of Israel, God's chosen people, enslaved and redeemed and brought out, right? That's what Exodus means, to be brought out of something, to exit something, right? Out of slavery and towards the promised land. You can read it as a prefiguring of Christ, right? That's who Moses is referred to in the New Testament, that Moses was a type of Christ, that he came and he brought his people out of slavery and led them to the promised land. You can read it as a historical prediction of what the church is doing in this day and age, that the church is God's chosen people bringing people from exile, from slavery to the promised land of the kingdom of God that Jesus prayed. He taught us to pray to bring the kingdom to earth. Or you can read it again in a very similar vein, but about an individual's journey out of the lands of darkness, of death, of slavery to sin, into the light of the kingdom of God, the salvation of Christ. Now, we're going to kind of mix a lot of those as we kind of go through this story, but I titled my sermon, uh, The Book of Exodus, Let's Get Out of Egypt, because I'm tired of living under tyranny myself. I don't know about you. But I wasn't built to live enslaved in this world. I was built to live free. We just sang today that Jesus gave us the authority that miracles should happen. That we can actually speak words of life into situations of death. And last week, Jimmy preached again. Father Jimmy preached that the snare is broken. So why are we living as if we're trapped? Why are we living as if we are burdened down and enslaved. Well, like the book of Exodus shows us, it's actually not an instantaneous thing. God can declare your freedom and then walk you through 40 years in the desert to bring you to the promised land. And so I hope as we go through this story, we take life and courage. We see the similarities between our situation and the people of God back then. Because you know God's been doing the same thing for 6,000 years. 
He's been taking his people out of slavery and into the promised land. And that's all he will ever do. Right? While we live, God will always be taking us out of slavery and into his promised land. So take heart this morning as we journey into the tyranny of Egypt some 6,000 years ago. So let's talk about how we got to the book of Exodus. God created the world, and as you all know, the world is no longer as God intended it to be. God created the world as a walled garden, a paradise of fellowship with one another and with him. And yet we, in our brilliance, decided to go a different direction, as humanity often does. Eve ate the fruit. Adam thought that was a great idea. He partook of the fruit too. And as the story goes, we left the walled garden of Eden that God had set up for us. And ever since then, God has been doing everything in his immeasurable power to bring us back to fellowship with one another, fellowship with him, the promised land, the city of Jerusalem, the Garden of Eden. All of these things are symbols of that longing in your heart when you look around and you say, man, there must be more than this. There is something better. That longing in your heart has a name. It is the kingdom of God. And God wants to bring that in your life, not just Someday, when you die and you go to heaven. No, he wants to bring the kingdom of God here in this world, in your life. So we have this world that needs saving. And how does God? God has this really insane marketing plan. Instead of just like writing sky messages out of stars so that people can read it in their own language, or instead of trying to reach everyone in the world at the same time, bless you, uh, there is this plan that God has where he's going to use a family to reach the world. That's insane. One family. Why doesn't he use a country? Why doesn't he use a nation? Well, out of this family, he grows his nation, but he starts with the family. And there's a reason for that. God's kingdom is built on fathers and mothers raising their children to become good fathers and mothers. That is the kingdom of God encapsulated in its smallest form. And then those fathers and mothers get in fellowship with brothers and sisters who come together to form the people of Israel. The people of Israel is not a legal arrangement. It's a family, the family of God, right? And so he starts with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, and then we get to Jacob's 12 sons, and we get to Joseph. I had the privilege in St. Michael's Academy of playing Joseph in the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, and that was just a delight. But it was chaos, even at the level of one family. You think countries are bad. Take a family with 12 sons competing for their father's attention. That was the seed of chaos was already there as God was bringing these people. And you might look at the story of Joseph, right? This guy gets sold into slavery in Egypt. This is how we get to the Exodus story, right? And God, because he wants to make his name known, allows Joseph to become a slave in Egypt. Egypt's the big country, right? Egypt's the United States of its day. Everybody looks to Egypt to see where the world is going. It's the military power. It's the science power. It's got everything. And God says, you know, I want to make my name known in the earth. So I'm going to sell one of these members of this special family, my chosen people, into slavery in Egypt. God doesn't think the same way we do, guys. 
I wouldn't have done it that way. I would not have done it that way. But you know what? He wasn't finished. Joseph's like, all right, I've got a good attitude. I learned my lessons, my Bible lessons growing up. I'm going to serve well. And he gets promoted to the master of his household as a slave, right? He's the best slave there is. And then Potiphar's wife comes along and seduces him or tries to. He, in his righteousness, does the right thing and runs away from the temptress. And yet he gets framed and accused of sexual assault and gets thrown in prison. All because God didn't think he was influential enough as a slave. So he made him a prisoner, a confirmed rapist. He made him the worst of the worst because God had a bigger plan, right? And we're going to see this pattern. In fact, I would argue that the Exodus story is the template for God's salvation throughout all eternity. And I'm on good footing because a lot of other smart people said that too. So I feel really good about it. The point is God had a plan. And we see it happen. And not only that, right? He's in prison. He interprets a couple guys' dreams. There, One of them gets to be like Pharaoh's right-hand servant. And he lets Joseph rot for six more months. Right? In prison. Can you imagine the lowest of the low? And finally God says, okay, now I can use him. Now I can accomplish my purposes through this guy, Joseph. And he takes that guy, allows him to interpret Pharaoh's dream. We're not getting into all the details. And he becomes the number two ruler in all of Egypt and saves the known world from a famine of, at the time, global proportions. I mean, they didn't know it was a globe yet. But the point is, in that region, it was a giant deal. People were dying because they didn't have food. But Joseph, God's sleeper agent, God's inserted person, who's in the leadership of Egypt, saves the world. Remember that. God doesn't think the way we do. And by doing so, though, the seeds of Exodus were planted. Because you know what happened? Nobody had any money. They bought all the food they could, but they ran out of money. And what happened? Joseph bought their land, and then he bought their lives. And now Egypt has become not only the most powerful country in that area, but everyone who lives there is technically a slave to Pharaoh. That's going to have some bad repercussions down the road. I just want to throw this out there. There is a link between government-provided food and housing and slavery. There's something in us that is called in our families to own our land, to take dominion over the earth, to grow in prosperity, and not to be enslaved to the cultures and worldviews and nations of this world. Just a little nugget in there. So we have this, and for a little bit, they're really happy slaves. They grew and they multiplied. In fact, you'll see in the first chapter, it said they were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong. What do we remember those words from? Fruitful, multiply. Well, that's what God promised they would do in Genesis, right? What was God's first command? Be fruitful, multiply. So even in slavery, even in tyranny, God is multiplying his people. That's a little nugget of hope for us today. And let me tell you, Egyptian slavery is a little bit worse than anything we've faced, I would argue. God multiplied his people even in their slavery. But you know what? Just like Joseph, 
He wasn't done yet. Instead, something stirred in the hearts of the Egyptians towards these Hebrew people. And we're going to move, we're going to start there. So Joseph and his family, they establish themselves in Egypt. They start to become more and more prosperous. They go from being just a family to actually a large enough group of family to be considered a people or a nation, right? They're starting to grow in God's purposes under slavery in Egypt. And now there arose, this is in Exodus chapter 1, verse 8. Now there arose a new king over Egypt who did not know Joseph. It's always hard when you have new rulers come in who don't remember what God has done in the past. It always is going to happen. You see it again and again and again. You're like, man, that was a really great king. The next one's probably going to ruin everything. Don't be afraid when the governments of this world go from something you like to something you hate. This is just a part of the way the world works. Psalm 2 says the rulers plot in vain and the Lord laughs. So we can hold on to hope even when things aren't going the way we think they should be going. So this new king arises. He doesn't know Joseph. He looks around and goes, who are these Hebrews? Which is actually a derogatory term. They said that as like these dirty people basically is what it meant. Like who are these people who are not us? Which once again, this is the way the world works. They look for the other people to vilify. Let's not participate in that. But he says, look at these Hebrews. They're growing too strong. We need to, we need to, well, I'll just read. It'd be easier. Behold, the people of Israel are too many and too mighty for us. Come, let us deal shrewdly with them, lest they multiply. And if war breaks out, they join our enemies and fight against us and escape from the land. Therefore, they set taskmasters over them to afflict them with heavy burdens. They built for Pharaoh store cities, Pithom and Ramses. But the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and the more they spread abroad. And the Egyptians were in dread of the people of Israel. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service and mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. And in all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. Okay, one more principle in here. This is the way the world works. This is the way God works. The more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and were spread abroad. What does that mean? Well, we just read in our, in our gospel lesson today that the first shall be last and the last shall be first. We live in a kingdom that does not count prosperity the way the world counts prosperity. And let's remember this too. We're not just talking about an oppressive government. In this particular case, we're talking about Egypt, a tyranny, who owned them as slaves. But you know what's a far greater tyranny in our lives? Sin. The power of sin is what leads to death. And what we fight every day on top of whatever other systems and tyrannies may be out there is the power of sin. And the more they were oppressed, the more that the tyranny pushed down on them, the more God's grace abounds, right? What do we say? What did, God, what did Paul say? Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. What that should be telling us is that there's actually nothing that man, the world, sin, the devil, anybody can do to us that God cannot use to bless us. What was Joseph's great line after all of that stuff I talked to you about? His great line was, what you intended for evil, God used for good. 
So as we're talking about this, we're making these connections between the tyranny, the slavery of the God's chosen people, which who's God's chosen people today, if it's not clear? The church. Without borders, without national identity, but the church anywhere and everywhere. God's chosen people. The more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied and were spread abroad. There is nothing we have to fear. I would say that one of the biggest oppressions going on right now is the one of fear. The way that the enemy is seeking to tyrannize us, seeking to control us, to enslave us, is with fear. In fact, the number of safety measures that you have to go through just to get from your house to work nowadays, the regulations on, I'm not saying any of them in particular are bad, but the regulations on well, you got to get a COVID test to make sure that you can go to most jobs nowadays. You got to make sure that you're vaccinated or double vaccinated or boosted. You got to make sure that you're strapped in, that you're going to speed limit. All of these things, while individually there may be good things going on, we have to remember that there's a background, there's a war, there's a spiritual war that is for our hearts. And if we trust in the, the locks on our doors to save us, we will fall. It is God and his foundation that is our safety, our life, our hope, right? That's why we get so twisted up when something new comes out that we disagree with, some new law or regulation, because somehow we think that that's the thing that's going to save us or destroy us. Ultimately, while we fight tyranny everywhere we can, we can hope in God. There's nothing that man can do to us. And even though you try your best to keep your kids safe, keep your family safe, keep your financial endeavors secure, we always have to come back to a place of trust and not fear. That's more of an individual audit, right? You've got to ask yourself, am I doing this because I'm scared? Or am I doing this because I'm trying to be wise and walk in the way of the Lord? That's something I ask myself all the time. Trust me, I get scared plenty. And I have, to t- I have to apologize to Haley. Yeah, Haley, I probably did that because I was scared of something, right? This story tells me that even in slavery, we have nothing to fear. Then the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives, because the, you see, this little family that started with Joseph and his 11 brothers has now grown to a people that scares Egypt. And he said, okay, we're just going to work them to death. We're going to make them our slaves. We're going to use their force for us. They keep multiplying. God's blessings keep multiplying on them. And he's so scared now that he's taking another measure. He said to the Hebrew midwives, one of whom was named Shipra and the other Pua, when you serve as a midwife to the Hebrew women and see them on the birth stool, if it is a son, you shall kill him. But if it is a daughter, she shall live. What is this about? This is a whole new level. He's now going after their children. But you know what? He's not just going after their children. What he's going after is their fathers and their mothers. Tyranny will always go after the fathers and the mothers. Because by killing the men that never become fathers, he is depriving them of having that family unit that the kingdom of God is built on. And he is taking away the mother He's taking away her child. He's forcing her to give up her child. 
In our culture, you can so clearly see the war against fathers and mothers. I'm not going to spend a ton of time here because I think that there's a whole, I don't want to open Pandora's box, but you just have to open your eyes to see every new thing that is getting pushed by progressive ideology. Let's go, we're going to progress forward. What a great name. Every new policy, every new attempt is to steal our fathers and our mothers away. Whether that's homosexuality, transgender. You know what transgender is? Transgender is just making yourself unable to have kids and miserable. That's the bottom of what you get with transgenderism. They promise freedom and they make it so that you can't be a father or a mother. What you're called to be. Whether you're a biological father or mother or not, I'll make that exception. There are people who are called to dedicate their lives to raising the church, to being a father and mother in the church, to ministries. But most of us are called to be a father and a mother biologically or to adopt, to create that family unit. That's the kingdom of God. And so where is our culture hitting? Homosexuality, transgenderism. Not only that, they're going after the kids. That's the secret behind everything is that While they're attacking the father and mother, the kids are the ones suffering. In a way, we can become callous. What do I care if that 24-year-old man decides that he wants to change gender? It's not my problem. But who is suffering in our culture from the lack of fathers and mothers? It's the children. Single-parent households, higher than ever before. Not to mention the fact that there's declining birth rates around the world. There's a crisis right now because of one thing. Our culture does not realize that our greatest resource is humanity, period. And where do you get humans? Children, even if they don't seem like it at times. I feel like I'm raising an animal, but eventually they become humans. No, they are humans, but you get what I'm saying. There's a real sense of the value of humanity. And that's what tyranny's assault. That's what's happening in Egypt. If humans are being dehumanized, they're being called Hebrews instead of men and women. They're being dehumanized, and then they're being enslaved and slaughtered. That's what tyrannies do. That's what sin does. Sin enslaves you, and then it kills you. That's the greatest tyranny we're all fighting. But that's what tyrannies do worldwide. They enslave you, and then they kill you. Those they can't enslave, they kill, right? So, what's going on here? Well, let me just say one more thing about the value of children. You guys probably remember the classic film that I can't rightly recommend from the pulpit, Talladega Nights. It is just a piece of cinema history. Um, There's this great moment in that film where Ricky Bobby tells everyone at the table that he's going to pray to sweet Lord baby Jesus, right? And from that moment on, uh, he defends, well, I like my Jesus as the sweet baby Jesus. And there's something in us that laughs because it's kind of true. Don't you love the sweet baby Jesus when Christmas comes? Like, that is the joy, the wonder. What is important about baby Jesus? He represents the most important resource in the entire world. The most valuable thing in the entire world, which is our offspring, our kids. There's a reason that we need to be going to war for our children right now. And I don't think that that language is out of proportion to the situation we're in. There's a reason I'm enrolling my son, Rowan, at St. Michael's Christian Academy this year. 
Because there is a war for our children right now. And thanks, sweet Lord, baby Jesus, we have a place to send them. There is something that we can do to protect our kids. And that is we can raise them in the knowledge and love of God. Sure, I want them to learn math and reading and all the other things that they need to learn. But more than anything, I want them to know the love of God. Because we're in a world at war and basic training is required to survive. You need to know who your father is, your spiritual heavenly father. You need to know the love of God. You need to know that the snare in your life is broken, that the power of sin and death has been triumphed over by Jesus Christ, that you have the freedom to be joyful, to live a life of building the kingdom, to build a family that is not divisive and burdensome, but is full of joy and life and light. You need to know that to survive in this world. And so that's what fathers and mothers bring to their children. And that's why the tyranny of sin and death is out to get them. Not only the fathers and mothers, but ultimately the children. But God has a plan. The next two points are all about God's plan. So we move on here. Pharaoh tells the midwives to kill the children, which, I mean, Pharaoh really doesn't understand how women work or midwives work if he thinks that they're going to be the ones going around slaughtering babies. Why do you become a midwife? Because you love children. You want to bring life into the world. But they also feared God. They knew who God was. It says, but the midwives feared God and did not do as the king of Egypt commanded them. That is a powerful statement because you know who's scary? The king of Egypt. He is scary. He has the power of life and death over these women. And yet they feared God more. That's a lesson for us today. How many times do we kowtow to the government or the culture because we fear the government or the culture? And yet, we forget that we should be more afraid of God. So the king of Egypt called the midwives and he said, because they, so they let the male children live, and he goes, why have you done this and let the male children live? I love their excuse. The midwives said to Pharaoh, because the Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women, for they are vigorous, and they give birth before the midwife even gets there. <laughs> you can imagine, like, what is the Pharaoh thinking? Like, they're just like, oh, boop, oh, sorry, midwife, I don't need you. Like, it, this is a crazy idea that the midwives are trying to sell to the Pharaoh. But God has mercy on them and spares them and blinds the Pharaoh. I don't know what his wife said at that point. But the point is, God dealt well with the midwives. And the people, once again, multiplied and grew very strong. And because of the midwives feared God, what did he do? He gave them families. He made them mothers. So not only is God going to redeem and save the fathers and mothers of Israel, but anybody who wants to be on that bus is welcome to come along. Anybody who wants to do it God's way can be blessed in the same blessing. He makes them mothers. Then Pharaoh commands his people, every son that is born to the Hebrew, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. And so the slaughtering of the innocents happens. And so what happens here is Pharaoh writes the doom of Egypt with this proclamation. It's really fascinating because we are so certain that the people who are evil and big and powerful get away with it. And that is just not true. 
It's even in the Psalms, right? It's a reasonable... How long shall the wicked parrot or prosper, right? How long, oh God? Well, we find in this story not that long in the grand scheme of things. By killing of the innocents, he dooms Egypt in this story. So the first, what does God do to save the world? He raises up mothers and the midwives, right? Mothers who will stand for life. They're a symbol of that. And now he's going to raise up a father in chapter 2. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took his, as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. I love the language there because I've seen some ugly babies. What would she have done if he was an ugly baby? I don't understand. She was a fine child, so she saved him. I'm joking here, right? But the point is she was a mother who, like a good mother, is not going to give up her son to the tyrannical forces that are opposed against them. She's not sending her kid to public school. She's not giving up her kids to the tyrannical forces that oppose them, that want to eat them, that want to throw them in the Nile. Just a challenge, something to think about. So she hid him for three months, couldn't hide him any longer because babies grow. And she put him in a basket and threw him in the river and hoped that he'd be okay. I think that's sometimes how we tell this story. Like she just kind of like thrust him in the river and just left it to go. I think she was smarter than that. I think she saw, oh, Pharaoh's household bathes right here. If I go this far up the river and put the basket in the water, he might end up following down to Pharaoh's household where he might be saved, throwing him on the mercy of these women. I just, that's just my idea. God probably gave her some inspiration there, right? He's in all of this. But I think she was smarter than just throwing him in the river. The, the cartoon makes it seem like she threw him where the crocodiles were and the ships. It's really dramatic. Um, I don't think she did that. But then she sent his sister to run along and keep an eye on the basket, make sure that her plan went as planned. And by God's grace, one of the princesses of the land picks up the baby and goes, this is a Hebrew child. Now, did she just really know how Hebrews look? Or was she wise enough to look, is he circumcised? Right? There's a marker for the people of Israel. And once again, it creates this moment of salvation for this baby. Because now she knows, okay, I've got to find a place for this baby that is safe. Because this baby's under that law, that edict to be thrown into the Nile. So she ends up, the sister comes. They get the actual mother of Moses gets to nurse her own child and raise her own child for the early years. Isn't that beautiful? God is so good. From your child's going to be thrown into the river to being paid, the princess pays her to raise her child for the first couple years. So what is God doing, right? God is preparing a savior in the midst of tyranny. And we're going to end here. And in fact, this is the best possible place to end today. Because what do we have today? We have a baptism. And what is the symbolism as Moses is put onto the river and then drawn out of the water? From the earliest days, the early church has known that that was a symbol of baptism, a prefiguring. Because just like Jesus, Moses gets baptized first. Just like Jesus, he has his own special baptism. And then when all of Israel gets saved of Egypt, where do they go? They go through the waters of baptism. You'll actually see that in our prayer for baptism today, that it's referenced. Just like Israel was brought out of Egypt through the waters of baptism. And what is Egypt? It's the tyranny of sin and death. And what are we baptized 
So we're baptized from the tyranny of sin and death. What are we baptized to? What did I start with? Father Jimmy's sermon about how we are called to be Moses to the world, to bring salvation to the world. That's what baptism is all about. It's not just saving us from a life of sin and death. It's saving us to build the kingdom and to save the world. So as we end this morning, as we think about all the various tyrannies and slaveries that we can submit ourselves to, let's remember that God always is preparing our salvation. That's just what he does. It's already, the snare's already broken. The battle is won. We have the authority to now go out and be saviors for the whole world. And we're going to demonstrate that right now in Hannah Elise Batterton's life as we baptize her this morning. We're going to bring her through the waters out of the tyranny of sin and death into the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Well, let's stand. We have kind of like some churches have open communion. Well, we have open baptism. So if you feel like coming down, standing with them, come on down. <laughs> come on, this is a great deal. All right. Open your book. The candidate for holy baptism will now be presented. Will you be responsible for seeing that the child you present is brought up in the Christian faith and life? (coughs) Will you, by your prayers and witness, help this child to grow into the full stature of Christ? Do you renounce Satan and all the spiritual forces of wickedness to rebel against God? Do you renounce the evil powers of this world which corrupt and destroy the creatures of God? You're getting a, a real sense of why we baptize? <laughs> Just those two questions. That was, by the way, great word. Just a tremendous teaching there. No, and we, and we baptize our children, and that's why. We fortify them, and we set them as uh, the mark is on them, and it says forever. All right, anyway. You're not saw sinful desires to draw you from the love of God? See, that's what we were missing. Do you turn to Jesus Christ and accept him as your Savior? Do you put your whole trust in his grace and love? Do you promise to follow and obey him as your Lord? Will you who witness these vows... Do all your power to support Hannah and her life in Christ? We will. Let us join with those who are committing themselves to Christ and renew our own baptismal covenant. Please stand. Do you believe in God the Father? I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. 
He was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, he suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He descended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. Yes, he will. Do you believe in God, the Holy Spirit? I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Will you continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayers? I will, with God's help. Will you persevere in resisting evil? And whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord. I will, with God's help. Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? I will, with God's help. Will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, born and unborn, loving your neighbor as yourself? I will, with God's help. Will you strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being? I will, with God's help. Deliver, O Lord, from the way of sin and death. Lord, hear our prayer. Open our hearts to your grace and truth. Lord, hear our prayer. Fill her with your holy and life-giving spirit. Lord, hear our prayer. Keep her in the faith and communion of your holy church. Lord, hear our prayer. Teach her to love others in the power of the spirit. Lord, hear our prayer. Send her into the world and witness to your love. Lord, hear our prayer. Bring her to the fullness of your peace and glory. Lord, hear our prayer. Grant, O Lord, that all who are baptized into the death of Jesus Christ, your Son, may live in the power of his resurrection and look for him to come again in glory, who lives and reigns now and forever. Amen. We thank you, Almighty God, for the gift of water. Over it, the Holy Spirit moved in the beginning of creation, and through it you led the children of Israel out of their bondage in Egypt into the land of promise. In it, your son Jesus received the baptism of John and was anointed by the Holy Spirit as the Messiah, the Christ, to lead us through his death and resurrection from the bondage of sin into everlasting life. We thank you, Father, for the water of baptism. In it, we are buried with Christ in his death. By it, we share in his resurrection, and through it, we're reborn by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, in joyful obedience to your Son, we bring into the fellowship those who come to him in faith, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Now sanctify this water, we pray you, by the power of your Holy Spirit that those who were here cleansed from sin and born again may continue forever in the risen life of Jesus Christ, our Savior. To him, to you, and to the Holy Spirit, be all honor and glory, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Annalise, I baptize you in the name of the Father. Son, 
the Holy Spirit. <laughs> ah, quickly, the clock. <laughs> no, we don't have a clock. All right. He was sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. <laughs> Save the baby. <laughs> what a beautiful one, too, huh? Yeah. You're going to get a pass for sure. But we're not going to trust you with this. Who would like to try to take that for them? Okay. Watch it carefully. Okay. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, ye thank you for the water and the Holy Spirit that you bestowed upon this your servant to forgive us of sin and raise her to new life in grace. Sustain her, O Lord, in your Holy Spirit. Give her an inquiring, discerning heart, the courage to will and to persevere, a spirit to know and to love you, and the gift of joy and wonder in all your works. Let us welcome the newly baptized. We receive you into the household of God, confess the faith of Christ crucified, proclaim his resurrection, and share with us in his eternal priesthood. Awesome. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Turn and greet your neighbor with the peace of God. All right. Good morning, everybody. Uh, I've got I've got three things to announce this morning. I think one is a praise report, one's a big thank you, and one's a coming soon. So the praise report. We had a gentleman, uh, Norman Carter's his name, who received food at this ministry here for years, and God has changed his life. And he came in here instead of receiving food, he gave a donation to support that ministry. Wow. So there's a huge praise report there. Um, the, the thank you I've got is to all the men and women who came and helped us yesterday. Our entryway, uh, breezeway, is just looking amazing. Um, you know, I was just thinking this morning, the awesome thing about God is he doesn't do math the way we do. You know, you came and you gave a day, and he thinks tenfold, twentyfold, a hundredfold. And I just, I just speak those blessings in your life and on your households. Uh, just, just so much thank you for everyone who worked. And we're going to, you know, there's still a little bit more work to do, but man, when you go out there, you'll see it looks just amazing. So praise God for that. School starts on Thursday here at our academy. And uh, just be ready for that. And then upcoming events for our church, we have our St. Michael's Day celebration coming up in about a month. And then after that, we have our men's retreat coming up. So those are just the previews of a couple of things coming up for us.
So just be ready for those things. Amen. As we prepare to receive the body and blood of Christ in the Eucharist, let us respond to God's word by engaging with him in musical worship and presenting to God our tithes and offerings out of that which God has given to us. Together, through Christ, let us continually offer to God the sacrifice of praise. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. But do not neglect to do good and to share what you have for such sacrifices are pleasing to God.
Welcome all baptized believers to receive the body and blood of Christ. This is the table of the Lord. It's made ready for those who love him, for those who want to love him even more. So come if you have much faith. Come if you have little. Come if you've been here often and come if you haven't been here long. For it's for those who've tried to follow and those who failed. Come because it's the Lord who invites you. This is his table, and he wants you to come and join him here. Lord, the Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through his cross and resurrection, he freed us from sin and death. He's called us to the glory that's made us a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart. Everywhere we proclaim your mighty works for you, call us out of darkness into your own wonderful light. And so with all the choir of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory and we join in their unending hymn of praise. upon these gifts to make them holy so they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he was given up to death, a death he freely accepted, he took bread and he gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup, and again he gave thanks and praise. He gave it to his disciples, and he said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of a new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Let us proclaim this mystery of faith. Christ Christ has died. died. Christ Christ is risen. And then Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread and this saving cup 
We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and to serve you. May all those who share in the body and blood of Jesus be brought together in unity by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world and make us grow in love, together with our patriarch, Craig, and all of the clergy. We remember all those for whom we now pray, Susan, Naomi, and Sonia, and Sandra, Tammy, and Denise, and Daniel, and Ron, and Bob, and Henry, and David, Lucy, and Eric, Nicholas, Dave, Steve, the Marines and sailors at Camp Pendleton, and all those who serve us in the armed services. <clears throat> Our hearts remember the poor and the broken, and as we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Have mercy on us all. Make us worthy to receive, to share eternal life with the apostles and the martyrs and all the saints who have gone before us. May we praise you in union with them and give you glory through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God and Father, now and forever. Jesus taught us to call God our Father, so we have courage to pray. Our Father, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah, Christ, our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Hallelujah. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy upon us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us thy peace. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on them in your heart with thanksgiving. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Amen. No humming. No. You distract me. Here, I'll trade you. This blood. Of Christ broken for you. This is the body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Feed on you. Just what you need, Dan. The body of our Lord. <laughs> the body of Christ, Grace. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
Christ. The body of Christ. The body of Christ. Mark, this is the body of our Lord. The body of Christ. The body of Christ, John. The body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The body of Christ. The body of Christ. The body of Jesus. The body of Christ. Body of Christ. All creation. The body of our Lord Jesus Christ. Join with heaven. Singing out in
I just got every expectation in my heart that you're going to make just really, really well. Lord, we bless her in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. We just anoint her, Lord, to be about this journey that you've set her on. Lord, we uh, we often go can go through a whole life without having that vision that you plant in our hearts, but not this girl. She's got it, and she knows where she's going. And, Lord, we pray for every opportunity that the doors would open that are supposed to be open. And anything that stands in her way, Lord, that she would remove it and give her that opportunity, and she will complete the task. We just bless her in Jesus' name. Amen. Michael, while I was praying for you, I just felt like God said that you have like an angelic calling on your life because you're taking the presence of God into the dark places. You're bringing the love of God. So just live from that place of the favor and love of God on you is boundless, and you bring it wherever you go. Amen? Yeah, amen. amen. And don't, uh, don't take no for an answer. I just have a real sense that you're going to get bounced around quite a bit. You know, as we study these great men and women of the Bible, it's never easy. It's never like, oh, the door just opened and it just. No, it's hard. But they're always victorious. They're always overcomers. They're always the winners, and you are going to be too. Mm-hmm. What else did I have to do? Something else. What am I supposed to do here? <laughs> Remember? What? Is that it? All right. Have the teachers come up here. <laughs> You know, I, I, I spent some time with him the other day, and uh, I thought it was really good. And But you know what? <clears throat> I I kind of felt like a, a dud because it's the church school. Every one of you need to be holding up their hands. Every one of you, whether you have kids in the school or not, because it's a minute. It's just, it's just like what goes on out here. It's almost... If I can use the word, because I love the word, but magical. It's a mystery how God does so much with so little here. And for so many years, we've turned out such amazing kids. You, half the people out there now. And so we need to carry on with what God told us to do. That means just to reach out your hands right now. Lord, we just bless them. And they are definitely, definitely targets. But we just, uh, we anoint them. We, we pray, Lord, that you'll give us just a constant uh, reminder that we are to lift them up. We pray for Phil as he tries to oversee this with uh, little or nothing, Lord. And the, the amazing, amazing educations that they create. And it can only be you, Lord. And we want every child to have an opportunity of those that every parent who wants their children to have, Lord, to to have that opportunity. And so just bless these amazing, faithful people in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we're done.
Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. And you have fed us with spiritual food in the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, the archangel, defend us in the battle and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who wander through the world seeking the ruin of our souls. Well, as you go out from this place, I want you to make a special note to go over and say hi to one of my favorite bishops in the whole world, a man who lays his life down in danger continually that he might spread the gospel to a lost and dying world. Bishop Pakash and his dear wife are here with us, and we bless you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Remember the gospel, God was in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world to himself, not counting men's sins against him, and he loves us, he's forgiven us, he's not mad at us, and he'll never leave us. Now you get in a jam once in a while, but he doesn't leave. <laughs> he's always there to pick you up, show you, you know, where to make the corrections, and to be with you and set you on your fast pace once again. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen.